0: everyone, welcome to the I don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe and I don't know much about converting to Judaism, but my guest Maddie Hayes does. Maddie, thank you for joining the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to talk about my conversion to Orthodox Judaism.
0: Yes, I'm very excited to hear about it. Uh, first of all, I know you've been in the process, but I'm not sure where you're up to. Have you already converted? I'm done. You're done wow
1: and i've got my hebrew name right here
0: mazalto you want to read it out
1: it says malka
0: very cool what made you choose that name
1: um well i really like that it starts with m just like my um name that i've gone by my whole life Uh uh-huh and i like that in hebrew malka means queen so um as i was going through my conversion journey I felt like a way more confident and strong version of myself and I felt like the meaning Queen sounded like a strong word to uh-huh. me so I felt like I identified with that and adding that as a as my Hebrew name after the completion of my conversion felt very meaningful to me so that's why I picked it
0: very nice welcome to the tribe uh, Thank you. <laughs> And uh, I, I would love to hear about the whole process. Um, but uh, first, I want to know why. Uh, what made you interested in converting? What's your story?
1: Okay, so um, I will try to not make this super long because it actually it's very converting to a new religion can be very uh, very a very complicated decision, and it took yeah. a lot of research on my part and a lot of um, time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way it started was first I moved to the city for work. So I moved to New York city and I was looking for an apartment and I was, how
0: long ago was this?
1: This was in July of 2019. Mm -hmm. So a little over four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was staying in hostels and I was couch surfing and, um, while I was looking at apartments when I first moved here and I ended up making some Jewish friends. Um, and I have never really known a Jewish person before, except maybe, where'd a, you move from? I moved here from North Carolina.
0: Mm-hmm. What part? Raleigh. Okay. Gotcha. Not, not a big Jewish community there.
1: There is not a big Jewish community there. So I have actually met a, like a couple of like Reform Jewish people but I've never really been a part of the Jewish community. Actually, one funny story is that I have is um, when I first moved to New York, I was driving through Williamsburg to get to a hostel I was going to. And I saw like a um, Hasidic man in like a black hat and a black coat and everything uh-huh. and a beard. And he was in, like walking through a, a park or something. And it was summer. Cause I moved here in July and I thought, wow, wow. That man is out there in the park dressed as Abraham Lincoln, probably, <laughs> probably probably for kids, and he is so dedicated to being Abraham Lincoln today that he is out here in the heat in this outfit.
0: <laughs> that is and, hilarious.
1: I know, and I that even, was your like, first go
0: to, not like maybe he's Amish, maybe like he's doing like a fiddler on the roof thing. Like the first thing was Abraham Lincoln reenactment.
1: Yes. It was, <laughs> I mean, I just never seen that style before. I'd never been to Williamsburg before and I'd never been in an orthodox community or in an area like that. I actually have documentation of this because I was at a stoplight and took a picture of it and sent it to my mom. And I'm like, look at this guy like out here dressed (laughs) up in an Abraham Lincoln costume. (laughs) And now my my family likes to make jokes about that now.
0: (laughs) That is hilarious.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I'm not the only one that thought that because I was at a Shabbatone and Rabbi Wilds from MJE was telling a story about how He went to a shul where they had a dress code where he would, when he was there teaching, he would change once he got there to Uh dress for Hasidic. Right. One of the rabbis there asked him, like, why don't you wear this out, like, on the way here? And he said, Rabbi, I look like Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I love that he told that story because then I felt more validated that that was my first thought. That's (laughs) hilarious.
0: That's a great story.
1: Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I moved here for work. I met some Jewish people. I thought it was a really cool and interesting culture here in the city. And I love history and culture. where did you um, meet these here- Jewish
0: people? Was it a, like an event or just walking around or like, where, like how did you meet these people?
1: Oh, well, first of all, I was staying at like hostels and couch and at an Airbnb. And in Wilmington, one was owned by this guy who, like has kids but his he like shares the kids with like his uh, with other people in his family mm-hmm. so like he has empty rooms and like a couch so I, I like stayed there on the couch one night and I noticed that he had two sinks one day and I was like why do you have two sinks in uh-huh. here and he was like oh that's because I'm Jewish uh-huh. and then I started asking about it and he was like just um, you're probably going to be super bored listening to me talk about like why like all the rules of the kitchen and there's a lot of rules so just like don't really use the kitchen please <laughs> and I was like okay um, but then um, I made friends with him, I met made friends with some other people, I met the hostel
0: uh-huh.
1: and then um, he ended up being an event planner so he was like you should come to some of my events if you're moving here and you don't have any friends so basically that's what I did, I met other people like one of the pe- first people I met was um, Jason mm-hmm. um and also Barra Flane
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and uh, from there I, I ended up Going to like a um, a Hanukkah party that first year that I moved to the city, and I was learning about Hanukkah, and I really just learned and also enjoyed learning about Judaism because I grew up in a Christian family in a Christian community, and I grew up going to a private um, Christian Protestant school in Raleigh from kindergarten through fourth grade, and then I was homeschooled until high school. So hey, is your family
0: Protestant? First, is that like the denomination?
1: Yeah, so they're Southern Baptist, which uh-huh. is a sect of protestant christianity um but i kind of ended up not being as focused on christianity throughout high school and college um uh, there was like certain aspects of it that i didn't feel super comfortable with and i also had a really hard time talking about religion because i didn't really feel like i knew like where my place was in that world Mm -hmm. um but when i moved to new york i pretty quickly felt really comfortable in the Jewish community and I had a lot of fun learning about Judaism. Uh, pretty quickly I realized that most of my friends in New York were Jewish um, just from my or- original interactions with people when I first moved here.
0: Uh, wow.
1: So I, and basically, that was through like being interested and in asking questions and going to a Hanukkah party and like trying out a Shabbat. And what about kind of Judaism? Things, and, do you
0: think felt comfortable for you that uh, um, Christianity did not feel comfortable?
1: I would say the openness to asking questions and discussing the meaning and mm-hmm. the um, like, the meaning behind why people feel like they like Judaism. It, I feel like there's more of an openness to. Um to people having different perspectives or different levels of observance, um like for example, in the Jewish religion, there's not really any proselytizing, and I've like when I was in the Christian world, there was a lot of focus on the fear of um not believing the right thing or the fear of other people not believing the right thing and feeling like they needed to be helped or saved or redirected Mm -hmm. um, or that like the Christian lifestyle was so far superior to anyone else's. And there's something about that to me that just felt a little bit off to me personally. And I definitely would never want to be disrespectful to anyone else in their culture. Um, Obviously I have a a whole lot of respect for my family and like the way I grew up. And I think that going to a, like being in the Christian community that I was in actually really helped me and allowed me to understand a religious community and to fall into the Jewish community more comfortably. I think that I owe a lot of who I am this to this day to like the Christian upbringing that I had. Um, But I think that Christianity in my opinion is, or from my experience was just more fear based. Um, There wasn't a lot of questioning I specifically remember hearing multiple times you're not supposed to question anything mm-hmm. um and um also with that fear i felt like the feeling of discrimination towards other people felt stronger to me mm-hmm. and maybe that's that could just be the communities that i found for example like i came in to new york and found amazing jewish people in the modern orthodox community i i've been told that there's other sects of judaism and maybe what i'm describing might not be every jewish community but that's just what i've um experienced so far yeah um and then as i learned more about judaism some other things that i discovered that felt a lot more safe and comfortable to me about judaism was the oral torah and the talmud and learning about all of the um interpretations of the old Testament that were lost basically to Christianity and how a lot of those misinterpretations over time seemed to have led in history to a lot of pain and war and hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I really studied the history, more of the history of Christianity versus the history of Judaism and what it really meant to the Jewish people for what it would mean when the Messiah came, um, things started to not really add up to me. Um, things like the Crusades, um, the government's starting to use Christianity for power. Like if that, it things started to not really add up to me. There's mm-hmm. a lot of history behind Christianity of governments outlawing of other religions, a lot of people being killed and oppressed. And I'm curious why isn't that seen very much in Judaism? And the best answer I have right now and I'm not an expert or anything, but the best answer I've been able to come up with is like Judaism has the oral Torah and the Talmud in Judaism. It's okay to discuss, to question, to uh, use critical thinking skills. And I think that's really helped over time with the interpretation of the Torah, because we have to remember that the Torah was written and given to the people in a different time. Mm -hmm. So over time, without all of that context, I feel like there's been a lot of room for error, a lot of room for misinterpretation. And I've seen in history where it seems to have caused a lot of pain to people. And to me personally, the more I learned about this, I, I really became so fascinated. and And the more I learned about Judaism from people that I met in New York, the more of my own research I was doing because I was thinking, you know, I really enjoy learning about this. And when it stops feeling right to learn about it. I'll stop learning about it, but I—I never felt that way. And the more I learned about it, the more I, um, really, really enjoyed it and enjoyed the community as well, and learning with the community and being a part of the community.
0: Very interesting. Um, so it sounds like you, um, you—you you had a lot of uh, issues with how, um, maybe Christianity um, misinterpreted things or or used religion as a as a force of of I don't want to say evil but, but meaning it not as a force of good in the world and and, and Judaism doesn't have that kind of history and and you like that um, but w- what are your opinions? this is a little heavy but uh, in terms of like the nature of existence and reality and truth do you in, like in your studies did you come to the conclusion that that Judaism is, truth uh it's like a little bit simplistic task it that way but maybe you can expound on it that in that um vein
1: yeah um i uh i don't want to say throughout my studies i've realized that obviously judaism is truth i definitely understand that certain people in the world would have their own version of what they think is the truth that the history that is Judaism and the Bible and the Old Testament is very old and it's very hard to corroborate what is in there. But what I do know is the wisdom and the work and the effort and the history of the, the Jewish people as a whole that I've seen shows me that there's a lot of positive influence mm-hmm. there. Um, I feel like the, there's a big focus in Judaism with the prayers and with the lifestyle um, on gratitude mm-hmm. and I have felt being a part of that that I've really become a way more confident version of myself and I, I feel like the community is very strong with um, with the guidelines of the Torah and the Talmud and so because of those things I feel like I choose to believe that it's true. And that's a choice that I make. And like since I know it's a choice that I'm making to believe that it's true based off of the research I've done and my own personal experiences and my own personal outlook, Mm -hmm. I can also look at it in the way of, you know, to the general public, it makes sense that this would not be considered provable and that other people would have different opinions. And I have all the respect in the world for people that um, choose a different path or had a different upbringing. And that's one thing that I love about Judaism is... Um, they don't look down on non-Jewish people. Everybody has a place. They don't proselytize, and that's one thing that makes me feel a lot more comfortable in this community.
0: Very cool. So how'd you go from, um, you know, I'm I'm new to New York. um haven't really been exposed much to Judaism, and now like I'm I'm meeting people and I'm learning about it, and it's really cool. How do you go from that to now I want to convert? What was the decision-making process?
1: So, uh, well, first the pandemic hit, that was the first big thing that really turned my attention more towards Judaism in a more serious way because Mm -hmm. I immediately lost my job. I work in the Mm -hmm. theater industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a scenic artist. So I was painting a show and like March 15th, I was told, okay, the show is, for now, for this foreseeable future, wow. canceled going into storage, and I'm sorry, but none of you have jobs anymore. Damn. <laughs> I think I even left early that day. They were like, there's no point in doing a full rest of the day or something. Um, wow. So, and there were a lot of other people that went through a similar situation as me, and I feel like New York City was hit especially hard in the beginning because it's yeah. such a good city with so many people. Yeah. And so I really, I feel like we relied on each other for support a lot and a lot of my, and the Jewish community and the few friends that I had made. um, We quickly got together um, some ways to support each other, like we created a Facebook group called Camp Quarantine that was created by, um, I think the original creators was Pocket and Fiona.
0: Sounds right. Um, Good times.
1: And I joined that and I think that with losing my job being a part of that and being a part of the jewish community on the Upper west side really became my main focus Mm. and my interest it just allowed me to have the time to pursue my interests and learning more about judaism um so that was basically the turning point for me was the pandemic
0: Mm -hmm. wow okay so so how did you start the process you know, like, what? what's step one?
1: <laughs> um, so, step one of the process was I needed to figure out, well, I, I needed to figure out what the process was in the yep. first place. Um, because I once I realized that I really felt like I personally identified with Judaism, it was probably, like, summer through a few months into the pandemic by that point. And I started to realize that like, if I really want to be a part of this community and I want to date in this community, or if I want to like my continued family to feel included and be a part of this community, then this is something that would be important to do. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I already enjoy doing. I enjoy learning about Judaism. Um, So I felt like it would be a really fun and rewarding and structured way to get a good structured um learning experience and it would be it was something that i felt was very meaningful and purposeful for me to focus on at the time especially when a lot of us were stuck inside Mm -hmm. and quarantining um so i needed to find a sponsoring rabbi so i just asked some of my friends in the community i know i think the first person that put me in contact with a rabbi was ellie wolf Mm -hmm. And he told me he had a friend. He was a rabbi in Brooklyn. Um, Actually, no. The first person that put me in contact with the rabbi was Brie Velardi Because mm-hmm. some of my friends from Camp Quarantine and the Jewish community told me, oh, this person, Brie, she also converted. So you should speak to her. She's going to have some information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was talking to her, which was really, really cool. And she knew of one like this was still in the pandemic all the shuls were closed no one was mm. going to shul, except there was a, the first shul that opened was um Edmund Safra synagogue on the mm-hmm. east side so brie was going to classes and she took me so that I could meet a rabbi um Edmund Safra is a It's a Sephardic school, right? It is a Sephardic shul. so this is where I kind of had a little bit of a redirection mm-hmm. because I well I loved the opportunity to that was the first shul I went to I went to a shul. I got to meet a rabbi I got to meet more Jewish people outside of my own circle for the first time. Um, but the rabbis there, actually, after speaking to them, they realized that like my whole entire experience was pretty much Ashkenazi, mm-hmm. the entire community that I had experienced. So I kind of decided that it made the most sense for me to try to find a Ashkenazi rabbi. right? And because that would kind of fall in line more with my daily life and the neighborhood I was living in and, and my lifestyle at the time. So then Ellie Wolf put me in contact with a rabbi he knew in Brooklyn, who was really helpful and gave me information about how like, um, he helped me find a rabbi on the West side that like publicly did, like was public about liking to do conversions oh, and training and doing classes. Um, the thing about that Situation was, this rabbi was charging up front a lot. Oh, so, so the, so you can see how this is kind of like a yeah a long chain of events that led to me finally figuring out what I was going to do. The the entire I will say the entire process of me thinking, okay, I want to do this process to finding the actual sponsoring rabbi was like eight to nine months. (laughs) Oh wow yeah
0: and so, once you found somebody did did they like initially do like the like the rejection or whatever like they're supposed to like yes. reject you a few times or yes. something like that
1: yes that did happen to me um well I talked to the one rabbi that was charging a lot he's the one that put me in contact with the RCA which is the organization that actually is approved by Israel to do official conversions
0: rabbinical council and- of america
1: yeah, so the Rabbinical Council of America, so they are the ones that do the paperwork, they are the ones that oversee the process, even though they're not my sponsoring rabbi. So basically I had to find a sponsoring rabbi who I could learn with, and then the sponsoring rabbi could report to the RCA. Mm-hmm. So um, so I went to the RCA before I even found my sponsoring rabbi. So mm-hmm. Rabbi Ron, who is kind of the, um, the face of the RCA, who uh, works with a lot of, converts, he is the one that it kind of explained more of what the process would be like to me which was really helpful and kind of expressed to me the importance of finding a sponsoring rabbi and he um, recommended MJE to me because mm-hmm. I was kind of telling him what I was struggling with, with finding a sponsoring rabbi, finding a shul that was going to be open because it was like right when things were starting to open again yeah. from the pandemic and um, and Rabbi Ram knew that NJE had some one-on-one learning. There's a Wednesday night group that gets together and they do learning sessions. They mm-hmm. pair up and do learning sessions. So it's kind of like almost like free tutoring. I mentioned to Rabbi Ram that I was having a hard time finding a sponsoring rabbi and that the one that I did find was charging a lot up front and I didn't know if there if that was normal or if there was a different process I could go through. And when I went to MJE, I was like so excited because what I realized was MJE is focused. Their target audience is Balshuva Jewish people. Yeah. So it's um helping people who didn't grow up um, observant. Yeah. To become more observant, and their target audience is really like Jewish people who did not grow up in a very Jewish home who want mm-hmm. to return to Judaism. But also because of that ends up being perfect for someone wanting to learn more about judaism or convert to judaism yeah um mje is really a unique place they have multiple rabbis they specifically um, teach classes in different areas of the city so that they can have an outreach um and reach more people and and they have beginners chakras and services so Like I had been going to OZ for a while and every time I went, I had to bring somebody with me because I was struggling to really learn how to follow along on my own. And like when I would follow along with a friend, I loved it and it was great. But it wasn't something that I could do by myself. Mm. And one thing that really excited me about MJE was I went there and I was able to follow along by myself for the first time. And that was like such a a relief to me because I realized I was like, okay, I really feel like at this point I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, And I, re- I remember the first day I went to MJE after the services, just like going up to Rabbi Wilds and thanking him for, for starting that shul because it was something that I didn't realize existed and felt perfect for me and really helped me feel included and able to uh, learn what I wanted to learn. It's amazing. Yeah. So then I ended up um, going to MJE a lot, because I figured since they had at least five rabbis there, I figured maybe one of them would end up having enough time to be my sponsoring rabbi, which I was right. Um, And they did tell me they didn't have time a lot.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Somebody that works at MJE, I remember talking to her one day and talking about this whole situation where they reject you three times and she was telling me like i don't know if that's like a lot of the work they they work really long hours and the RCA is a nonprofit so there's this thought that maybe they're probably not doing it on purpose like maybe it's just a coincidence that there's a saying that they have to reject me 3 times but maybe they're also just actually super busy yeah <laughs> um but so i'm really not sure about that Because I don't like to think that they would ignore me, but I wouldn't feel bad if they did, because I know that it's known to be part of the process, that they want to (laughs) really be sure that you're serious about it. Right. And I can totally see that side of it, too. Um, But, yes, that did happen to me. It got to a point where I think in, like, October of 2021... So like it was summer, it was like fall of 2020 when I was like, okay, I think I really wanna do this. I wanna look into this and find a sponsoring rabbi. It was like eight, nine months, like the ne- into the next year, wow. I was still trying to figure out, I was at NJE still trying to figure out who's gonna be my sponsoring rabbi. I had been told no multiple times that no, Rabbi Wild was like, I'm too busy. You're gonna have to go try to talk to some of the other rabbis, maybe go to their classes. Um, and then one day I was at work and I was just like really stressed out. And I was like, I have to think of a new... I have to think of something to do because I'm getting really stressed out that this just isn't going to happen because it's been months of me trying to figure out how to get a sponsoring rabbi. Um, And I, one of the ladies that works at MJE, Hani, told me, she said that she thought that my best chance would probably be Rabbi Avi at MJE. He might have the the most time because he was already converting another person but he Mm -hmm. only had one person that he was working with. So I ended up emailing him and telling him that like I would do as much of the process on my own as I could. I just really needed a sponsoring rabbi to like sign the paper and to like I didn't even care at that point if it was the bare minimum. Like I was going to do all of it myself if like as much as I possibly could. And I basically just had to try to make it seem as easy as possible for him. I felt like at that point because mm-hmm. I was just like really desperate to get farther on in the process. And then finally, he responded and said, "Oh, you know, I think that now, like we like we've seen you enough, like you've come to enough classes, like, and I, I think that I do, I would be able to be your sponsoring rabbi, and I'm not going to do the bare minimum, by the way, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which was nice to hear. Um, so then, Rabbi Avi ended up being my sponsoring rabbi, and that process started in like September of 2021. Mm-hmm. So um then the process after that was basically me doing my one-on-one learning on wednesdays at mje i my harusa ricky tenenbaum is amazing um we've we're we literally just got done learning together again like today right uh-huh. before this podcast Thanks. we're so learning together um it's super fun and she helped me so much get through my conversion because rabbi avi gave me the fellowship checklist of like a hundred things a Jewish person should know. Uh-huh. And 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 Ricky went through the entire list like during the course of my conversion. And it was a really great base layout of the base things that I would should be able to do and know. And a lot of it was like memorizing the prayers and learning certain things about reading Hebrew. So that was really helpful. Uh-huh. Then... Uh, the other part of the process was every month or two, I would meet with Rabbi Ram, and he would kind of assess where I'm at in my learning, uh-huh. and I would also meet with Rabbi Avi every month or two, personally, so he could see where I'm at with my learning, and Rabbi Avi would teach classes on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. so I would go to his class every Tuesday, and then I would also go to shul for services over the weekend, and then Rabbi Avi would kind of report to Rabbi Ram in the RCA, like, oh, she's going to services, she's going to class, I'm talking to her about what she's learning. I'm seeing that she's doing these things. And that was pretty much the process until this year, early this year before Shavuot was when I got to go to the mikvah mm-hmm. and I got to meet with the full bait den. So once Rabbi Ram decided that he felt like I was ready, he got a panel of himself and two other rabbis to assess what I had learned and ask me questions about kosher, Um, Asked me questions about Shabbat and my lifestyle and Jewish history and the Torah. And then they decided if they thought I was ready. And then I was able to go to the mikvah before Shavuot, which was um, a really special time.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: So the entire process took, like, from starting to look for a sponsoring rabbi, it took um, over two years. Wow. Um, if I don't count that long process of looking for a sponsoring rabbi, like once I was officially like in the process with the RCA with a sponsoring rabbi, it was more like a year and a half uh-huh. to a year and a half, two years. Gotcha. Um,
0: and Shavuos was when that was in March.
1: Um. Yeah, def- it was in the spring. I can double check.
0: Got it. Cool. Yeah, that's a that sounds like a long um <laughs> kind of frustrating process. <laughs> but uh you made it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Was uh any part of the process itself um rewarding or was it just like a an arduous process and, and like the the main I mean, like the goal was was you know, the ultimate reward, but was the process itself rewarding at all?
1: I would say the process itself was completely rewarding and Mm. not at all arduous. Um, That's part of the reason why I wanted to do it was because I realized that learning about Judaism and the culture of Judaism was something that I already really enjoyed doing. And one other thing that I thought was really helpful was um, a while into the pandemic, I would say maybe early 2021, I started doing therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, There was certain aspects of the pandemic that were just really hard for me. And I started to realize that there were certain aspects of things I was learning in therapy that really aligned with Judaism, especially the focus on gratitude Mm -hmm. and the prayers and the habits of of the prayers. Moda Ani. um, I found those. Uh, similarities to be really powerful and I feel like um my therapy and my jewish studies kind of helped each other progress to a nice. certain extent which I thought was really cool
0: very cool how how did your family react to this
1: um so I am lucky that my family is really respectful and we all love each other and we that regardless of our personal beliefs I um, the experiences I've had there they've let me build a sukkah on the back porch of their house nice um, they were surprised when I asked them about it and then they were perfectly fine with it um, I was setting up a menorah once at my parents house and my dad said it was really cool and that it looked cool uh, so Oh, oh, and whenever I go home, my mom is always, like, so happy to go, like, get kosher food and learn about kosher food and, like, what do the symbols mean and things like that. Uh, So that's what's the most important to me. Like, as far as their personal opinion on the religion, I don't know and I haven't asked them. And the reason why I haven't asked them is because, like, I know that, like, my family's Christian. I know that my mom was Christian and I fully respect that. And I know what the Christian Bible says, and I know that Judaism and Christianity are Christianity are different religions. And I feel like to that ex- that part of it is so personal to each person. And I feel like if I did outright ask them, like I don't want to put pressure on them to make them feel like, oh, maybe Maddie wants me to affirm her religion. Mm-hmm. And to me personally, I feel like that would be a little disrespectful of me because I know what what the differences are in the religions. And the only thing that matters to me is that we all love each other and we all respect each other and we appreciate each other's differences. And so I'm extremely lucky and fortunate in that area.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, they seem very supportive. So that's 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 amazing. Yes,
1: they are. They're amazing.
0: That's awesome. What what did you find surprising about either the the process or about Judaism itself uh, that you didn't expect going in?
1: Um, I would say, well, first I find it surprising of like, how confident and healthy I feel like it's been for me because I feel like before I found Judaism, my perspective of religion was not that. Mm -hmm. I, um, I also feel like it's a little surprising that I struggle so much with fasting <laughs> i mean maybe that's not really surprising but like
0: it's not easy <laughs>
1: i think fa- fasting is probably it might be the hardest part for me because it just makes me feel really
0: sick yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and i don't think i've ever done a full like been able to make it through like a, with a full 24 hour fast like i've done the ones where it goes from like sunrise or like to sunset or something yeah Um, but the fasts are really, really, really hard for me.
0: Um, I can imagine. I
1: keep thinking maybe I'll get better at it or maybe I'll get used to it, but that's definitely like really hard.
0: Yeah. It's hard to really get used to it. There are certain tricks (laughs) like, like there, there are companies that sell like caffeine suppositories. Um, Mm -hmm. there are certain foods that are good before a fast and certain things to drink, but yeah. Um, I suck at fasting too. So you totally get that.
1: (laughs) Maybe I just need to keep doing more research. Maybe I'll find like an answer or something that really helps me persevere
0: better. Yeah.
1: Still looking for that thing.
0: Yeah. It's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Are there specific uh, mitzvahs or traditions that personally resonate with you?
1: Hmm, That's a really good question. Um, hmm.
0: Well, you said like Modani, like so.
1: Yes. So I really like the habit of saying the prayers. I like getting up in the morning and saying the prayers. And I think it helps me get started with my morning routine and focusing and like staying focused on the right things. Like one of the things I was mentioning earlier that I like so much about Judaism compared to Christianity is the guidance and the structure, Mm -hmm. especially with the oral Torah and the Talmud and the information that comes with that and where to focus your attention because the Talmud and the old Testament of the Bible have, it has a lot of information. So if you don't have that guidance of what do I need, what, when should I focus on what and what should I be focusing on right now, Mm -hmm. which is what I feel like the prayers kind of help with, like, Start the day with gratitude. Think about like it helps you stay grounded in what's really important, I think. Yeah. And so I do enjoy doing those daily um daily prayers and that they're connected to every time you're eating. Eating is something everybody has to do every day. And I think there's something really powerful about um the bracha. Mm-hmm and remembering to be and instilling gratitude every single time you eat. Uh, That has probably been the most powerful thing and the thing that's really transformed my mental health the most and my perspectives.
0: Nice. Um, How has your acceptance been amongst other Jews? Have you faced any resistance or discrimination? Um.
1: Not really. That's good. <laughs> um, I know that at one point, like MJE, some of the rabbis they were trying to help set me up with some meals with some more Orthodox families and more from families, just because they wanted to me to get experience with like different families and experiences on Shabbos and Shabbos meals, mm-hmm. and families wouldn't host someone that's not Jewish yet because. Mm-hmm. They, to, they only had a certain number of spots at their table and they wanted to reserve this for Jewish people, which is mm-hmm. totally fair. Um, and I there was definitely people who had space for, for more people. And I was able to go and, and spend time at meals with those families, which was great. I, I don't even know if I would really consider that discrimination. Um, I would say at MJE, I might even have experienced the opposite of discrimination mm-hmm. because I've had some friends that are more Orthodox or grew up Orthodox say they don't feel comfortable or welcome at MJE because it's focused on balshuva. Oh, I know that for certain events, um, some of my friends have signed up to go on an event or an event and they've gotten an email back saying, Hey, we want to reserve these spaces for people that are more balshuva and it seems religious and like, we want to reserve the space for somebody else. And I'm sure that MJE didn't mean to make those people feel unwelcome to go there. But in turn, I, it seems like it's had this domino effect of oh I don't think I should really go to school even go to school there because I feel like I'm not their target audience and they don't want me to come <laughs> there and I I've had found myself telling people like I'm sure that you would be welcome um so I even feel like Mick I'm just so lucky to have such a welcoming um, school where I feel like I have so much in common with the people I'm learning with but at the same time I feel like maybe I've had the opposite of discrimination there. Interesting. The unfortunate situation of some people that don't feel welcome. I think that everyone should feel welcome there. It's an amazing place.
0: Oh, that's, that's great though. Um, cool. On the flip side, now that you're part of the Jewish community, have you heard people say anything about non-Jewish people that, you know, based on your history you think is incorrect or maybe even offensive, but it doesn't have to be offensive. They could just be wrong.
1: (laughs) That, is a really good question I'm trying to let me think about it for a minute I I know that the answer is yes because I found myself sitting in classes like kind of helping people understand where certain Christian people might be coming from in a certain perspective um, and I'm, I'm not thinking of it right now that's fine I mean most of the people I know in my community are super respectful. I don't feel like they a lot of people would outright say anything disrespectful. The community's been so amazing to me. Um I feel like later I'm going to think of something because I know right. I know that the answer is yes, but it I have a feeling that if I did think of something it would be just like a misunderstanding right. like someone just didn't understand how like a Christian person would would see a certain situation and then I would like clarify or something not something like really offensive right I don't I've I don't think anyone said anything really offensive to me regarding my upbringing or anything
0: great Um. so when when people immigrate to this country they, they have to learn a lot of things and take tests and people say that Immigrants often know more about the country than people who were born here uh, because they had to just learn all this stuff for the test. And so the same is probably true for converts. Do you have any niche Judaic knowledge that you can share that you think probably a lot of people don't even know who were brought up Jewish?
1: Yes, I can tell you all about Mavushal wine.
0: Okay, tell us. So...
1: (laughs) I think this is like the number one thing that I feel like I end up talking to people about and teaching people. Um, It's probably not even that significant of a thing, but basically all kosher wine has a label on it that says if it's Mavushal or not. And when it's Mavushal, it means that it's cooked. And so a um, so anybody, Jewish or non-Jewish, can pick up a Mavushal wine and pour it and then a Jewish person can pour it and it'll still be kosher. But if it says not Mevushal, if it's not cooked, then you need to be really careful with it, with with it having the kosher, kosher symbol on it because um, a long time ago, the pagan people would like to use the really nice, uncooked, fancy wine for certain rituals. So if a Jewish person came upon a non-Muvushal wine that was already open, they wouldn't really be able to prove or know for sure if it wasn't contaminated or used for nefarious purposes or used for another religion. Or it could have been... Um, they They want their wine for sanctifying the Sabbath to be pure and not used for anything else or, of course, worshipping pagan gods. So they would know that the cooked wine is not something that the pagans would use for that. So they would feel way a lot more safe a lot safer with sharing the wine, having other people pour, sharing it with a bigger community or non-Jewish people. Um, so I before I was done with my conversion, I would I would check the back of every single wine that I would pick up. And occasionally I would pick up one by accident or think, you know what, the likelihood of this cause because a lot of the wines, especially around MJE, they're all movie. Right. They're all cooked. Um and the cheaper wines are cooked because it's the fancy nicer ones usually that are the, the not cooked ones um, but uh, on a few occasions I'd, I'd pick one up and be like okay everyone I just wanted to let you all know that I picked this up and it's not Mavuchel I just realized because then I looked at the label um, and the reason I would do that is because I wanted people to know that I took it seriously and I checked because because um, if they didn't think that then they might not know if i checked or not and then i i wanted to make sure everyone felt comfortable and and i also enjoy taking things like that seriously because i've worked really hard to be a part of the community and to study these things and i there's a part of me that just really enjoys following through with it and and being a part of it yeah so even though it seems silly some like some people i'll tell this story to and they'll give me this look like that sounds terrible for you (laughs) That sounds like so embarrassing for you that you would pick this <laughs> up and then no one would drink it because you touched it. But I, I really never felt that way. Um, I pretty much from the first time someone explained the history of it to me, I thought it was cool and I, I just enjoyed being a part of it. So that's one thing I'll, I feel like a lot of people don't know nice, that because yeah. a lot of Jewish people don't have to check the label to see right. if it's movie or not. Um. So I always enjoy telling that story and, and explaining like the history behind it. Shkoyach. yeah but as far as the, like i've heard so many times where people say since you converted you must know so much more about judaism than me and there's definitely some t- instances where i felt like i was able to share or teach people something or but there's also been plenty of instances where jewish people have taught me way more so i don't know how accurate that statement is all the time because a lot of people in the community that I'm in now grew up going to Jewish day school. They know the meaning of a lot of Hebrew words that I don't know. Mm-hmm. A really helpful, meaningful thing that my Havrusa Ricky does for me whenever we're studying together is translating a lot of the um, Hebrew words in what we're reading or studying. Um, so I I don't know how true it is that as a convert, I know more than a lot of Jewish people, but there's definitely certain things that I know more about
0: sometimes (laughs) (laughs) very cool um at at any point along um the process did you have any doubts or regrets about going through with it
1: no and i kept telling myself like if this at all started feeling wrong then then i would just stop doing it and i never felt like that and i've enjoyed it so much even though i'm done with the process i still go to all my classes and I'm actually about to start doing the fellowship. So I'm about to start doing even more and spending three hours on Wednesdays at MJE doing the fellowship program. And I'm super excited about it because then we're all going to study together all year and then we're going to go to Israel. And I've never been to Israel before. So I'm really looking forward to this program. I still go to Rabbi Avi's classes on every Tuesday. I love going. I really enjoy spending time with the people in the class. And... um I I I I really love learning about this culture and being a part of this community. I think part of it is that I also just work so hard to be a part of it. And I just I I just enjoy it. I like it.
0: Amazing. What advice yeah. would you give to others who are considering converting to Judaism? Um
1: what would I give to what advice would I give to others? Yeah. Um I would say make sure you're doing it for yourself really look into why you're doing it are you enjoying yourself do you feel fulfilled like um like some people might have noticed that like especially like as i was learning more and more about judaism i slowly got an entirely new wardrobe and that's not because (laughs) anybody told me to the only like, surprisingly, like, when I first started hanging out with the Jewish community, like, one time I went to a picnic, and I was in, like, really short shorts, and no one said anything to me, but I definitely noticed that I was the only one dressed like that, and it felt a little bit weird, and over time, I slowly realized that, like, as I was buying more clothes, like, the things I wanted started to naturally change, uh-huh. and I realized that I really feel so much more confident in myself now, and, like, with what I'm wearing, um and i don't remember where i was going with that thought now i
0: completely (laughs) lost my
1: train of thought i'm so sorry you're saying
0: to do it do it for yourself
1: (laughs) yes do it for yourself so like i was about to say that nobody told me to do that nobody told me oh you need to change your wardrobe Mm -hmm. um but it's just like i think that is so powerful and it says a lot about whether you are um on the right track or not like Mm -hmm. Does taking these steps feel natural to you? Yeah. Are you? Does it feel arduous, or is it right for you? Because, you know, one of the things I love about Judaism is they're so respectful of of different cultures, and people choosing a different path. And if it's not for you, then i I think that that it should be for yourself. I think that you should be doing it for yourself, and I, I think it's great when people decide to do it for themselves. Um, I don't know how much other advice I have other than what I just talked about because I feel lucky that I live in a community where I have so many resources I feel like New York City is a great place to be for converting I don't know that it would have been gone as well in another place I'm so lucky to have NJE 20 blocks away from me it's such a unique place and I don't know if I was in another state or in another place if I would be lucky enough to have an organization like that there to support me. Right. Um, and the support system was, was really a big part of my success in all of this.
0: Yeah. What, what's something, uh, as you went through this whole thing that you learned about yourself?
1: Um, a, I would say a big thing I learned about myself was I guess, like... Hmm. I definitely, in combination with learning about Judaism and my mental health through therapy, I I would say I learned a lot about how to love myself more, which I feel helped me love my life a lot more and helped me to just be a lot more be feel more confident in myself and more successful in my endeavors like just knowing that you're enough knowing that you're loved knowing that you know community isn't imp- like I feel like the things that I learned in Judaism the gratitude that I focused on the the improvement in my mental health helped me achieve a lot of my other goals. Um, Like I just, this week, this is a little unrelated, but I just got accepted into the scenic artists union.
0: Oh,
1: cool. Um, I've been working towards that for a few years now. And it was a really, really, really tough process. Like I spent over a week doing nothing, but preparing paint samples from sunrise to sundown. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in my head thinking, you know, um thinking about like my faith and what was important to me and why it was okay to try hard at something even though you might fail and i really fell onto a lot of what i learned about my mental health and um and a lot of that was what i learned through Judaism too so i feel like that was a really important um, period of growth that I was able to go through and to help myself become more successful and to achieve my goals and get into the union and um, persevere through a pandemic.
0: It's amazing. Thank you. Malka, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what's one thing, if you had to choose just one thing that you want me and all of our listeners to know about converting to Judaism?
1: Um, that I think it's a wonderful eye opening process. Um, like I guess when, like I talked a lot about how it was meaningful and it always felt right to me. The rabbis have definitely told me like, you know, not everybody makes it through this process and in the end finishes it or goes through with it. Um, I would say if anyone's interested in converting to Judaism, Even if you start going through the process feeling like it feels right and then you end up changing your mind later, it's a great experience and a way to learn about culture and history and about yourself. Um, Even if I had gotten to a point in the process where I felt like, you know what, I don't think this is right for me, I could never see myself looking back on this experience and be like, wow, I really regret that. I I think that even if I didn't go through with it, I would be so proud of myself. Because there's a lot of growth to be done by studying the Torah and the Talmud and how these people lived their lives in a community that worked really well with each other, um, focusing on gratitude, focusing on helping each other get through a lot of things. There's a lot of great stories focused on that in the the Torah um, that I really grasped onto that helped me. So I guess that's the last thing that I would say but if you feel like you want to you're interested in it you should totally go for it now i know yeah <laughs>